Hey everybody, it is Sunday, November 14th. This is um, episode 9, season 2 of the Living Luna podcast. November. The autumnal clock falls back in the northern hemisphere. The cycle of humanity's illusion of power over nature rolls back one hour in many places, returning us for a few brief months to an alignment with reality. Time, as we know, is a human construct. An attempt to assign a scale value to something so vast as to be incomprehensible to us. Time in the broadest sense is a measure of distance. We say Andromeda is 2.5 million light years from Earth, for example. And what is a light year? The distance that light travels in a year at 186,000 miles per second. We also talk about events in the past or future as being far away. We talk about time travel. Geographic coordinates on the Earth are given in degrees, minutes, and seconds. My point in all of this is that, as much as our lives revolve around place, so do they revolve around temporality. Placing ourselves, and especially our memories, in time is almost more important than the location. Without the thread of time to stitch our lives together, they'd be a jumble of disjointed places and experiences lacking context. This time of the year, then, autumn slipping into winter is hard to navigate. As the light draws in, and the time change shortens the day further, we can find ourselves with a sense of speeding up and yet slowing down. Cold permeates everything. The colour is drawn out of the world. Leaves fall, leaving lifeless sticks behind where once trees stood. In some parts, snow falls, carpeting the texture of the world with a uniform expanse of white. Folks who work at 9 to 5, we can find ourselves leaving for work as the light makes promises to brighten our day and returning as the darkness threatens to swallow us whole, with daylight being constructs seen through windows or the occasional hurried stroll to a local coffee house. Folks who work from home, or stay at home in any capacity, can fare worse. A few furtive glances out a window during a busy day and suddenly it's dark all over again. Even as the days seem short and quick, the endless march of boilerplate repetition creates a lensing effect, a tunnel with no apparent light at its end, stretching into the infinity of our finite future. The moon in all of this provides, as ever in my opinion, an anchor. Their phases change daily. The practice of looking up at the late evening sky reveals a different shape each time where we find ourselves needing the assurity of the continued passage of time, the moon can lead the way. Within the instability of change is found the stability of continuity. Although the moon changes daily, they cycle through their phases in a predictable pattern, returning from full to new and back again. At this time of the year, I'm more grateful than ever that I live as much as possible on a lunar timescale. While I must conform to solar time to survive in society on a daily basis, anchoring my soul in the cycle of the moon gives me a raft to lay across the storms of the seasons as they push me around. The full moon is approaching. As our modern solar calendar is adrift of the lunar cycle, we're approaching an inflection point where I'll need to do a special bonus episode next month to keep us on target. As it is, we're recording this on Sunday, and the full moon we're discussing will be at the other end of this new week, on Friday. As if in honour of all we've discussed so far, there will also be a partial lunar eclipse on the same day. This event begins around 6am UTC, with the moment of greatest eclipse being around 9am, which is 4am um, Eastern. 
I'm not sure that I'll be awake to see it live, but the symbolism of the full moon being shadowed as we lose the light in our daily lives is something that I couldn't write with any authenticity if it wasn't already true. With the earth partially between the sun and the moon, we're being bathed in light even as the moon themselves is eclipsed. We're under an ever more intense glow and energy this time around, the full moon shining the reflected light into the obscure corners of our world. The full moon is a time to actualize and realize in the sense of bring forth into the corporeal plane, or as Sarah Faith Gattacina says, to humanifest, which is like manifest, but humanifest. At the same time, eclipses can be times of reflection, of going within and working with our shadow selves. There are many ways to combine these energies, allow the light to shine into the obscured places within us, that the energies unfold us, and look upon those things that we don't always see, don't always want to see within us. Work with what's there, bringing it forth, and choosing to make meaningful change around it. What's in our corners and reaches doesn't have to be bad or wrong in any deep sense either. The work we do here can be as simple as committing to an outcome we chose long ago, or simply being curious about something we do subconsciously. Have we noticed we react a certain way to certain topics of conversation, for example? If we don't like how we react, but we don't know why we react this way, then having an honest dialogue with ourselves around it may be the work we do. If we already know why and we know how to solve it, then committing to reacting differently or not reacting at all could be the course we commit energy to this time around. Feel into the time intuitively. Use the tools available to determine the best course of action, if needed. For our purposes today, we'll pull some tarot cards for the following questions. As I always like to say, this reading is it's purely me pulling for myself, isn't intended to describe any collective feelings. But if something does resonate, then by all means, explore on your own. Feel free to pull your own cards if that's your thing. And the questions I have, what should I focus on under the light of the full moon? What should I focus on within the shadow of the partial lunar eclipse? What common thread ties these two answers into my life? Which teachers will walk these paths with me and will draw two cards for that question? And what energy will arbitrate their viewpoints? So for the first question, what should I focus on under the light of the full moon? I pulled the four of wands. A stable container, the fours in general in the tarot represent stability. And in the depiction in the Smith Rider weight deck, we see four ones arranged in a symbolic square as if the corners of a wall or a building structure. In this deck, a particular party, such as a wedding or other celebration, is shown with the walls of a castle or walled city in the background. The artistry continues the theme that this deck assigns to the ones, which is a journey beginning with the self and taking that self into the world. So the party scene in the deck is held outside of the castle or the city walls so it's that movement from within to without while still being in a contained structure the strength of the structure can take many forms such as community and shared connections for some people the pillars might be family and work and good friends equally this could be something internal what is the wellspring that lights us up and drives us forward that we return to when we need to draw on something to approach difficult times. Often what renews us in this dynamic way is play. 
in the structures of capitalism, this can be hard to come by as an adult, since so much pressure is placed upon us to work. We have to trust that our frame will be strong and strengthened by whatever we know brings us joy. Under the light of the full moon, we should reflect on where and how we gather our strength, allow ourselves to move further into that without guilt or shame, trusting that we'll get where we need to get to and be energized because of it. So for question two, what should I focus on within the shadow of the partial lunar eclipse? I pulled the Ace of Swords. What is our communication with ourselves? Is our thinking aligned with our true purpose and best understanding of self? Aces represent new knowledge and new information coming to us from source, spirit, the universe, or whatever we see as the larger picture beyond ourselves. Sometimes we want to keep ourselves small because of trauma or lack of self-belief or faulty beliefs. But we also know that things aren't really that way, that we are more than we're giving ourselves credit for, not even in an ego-driven way, but simply that we're not being honest about the things we can do or the way we can show up in the world. The eclipse invites us to take time to consider all of this. How are we best serving ourselves and those around us if we're diminishing ourselves, if we're not being truthful about what's there for us and what we have to offer? The Ace of Swords brings these things to us and invites us to think. For question three, what common thread ties these two answers into my life? I pulled the Nine of Cups. In the Smith Rider Waite deck, this card shows a person sitting in front of nine cups. They appear to be happy, maybe even prideful, as though they are excited to show what they have collected. This isn't in an egotistical way, but from a genuine sense of accomplishment. They want to share their success. The common thread here is to remember that we all, um, that all we do ends up somewhere in the end, that we don't exist in a vacuum, and that while our personal growth is very much for and about us internally, everyone in our lives benefits from the growth we realize. Our success is their success if we can show up stronger, more defined, more fully formed as the best evolving version of ourselves. The question four, what teachers will walk these paths with me? I pulled the three of cups and the nine of wands. The teachers walking with us can show up in a variety of ways. In the three of cups, we're speaking to our inner voice, perhaps our ancestors, those parts of us that are objectively adjacent to our conscious, contained sense of self, but are still part of us in some way. Maybe it's the perspective of close friends too. The three seeks to uplift and support us in these reflections while being true and realistic in what's available to us. And the Nine of Wands reminds us that we're on a longer journey with it, that we've come far to get where we are, and that it's okay to pause and recharge and to take in our achievements as we do so. This contrasts with the Nine of Cups. Our own assessment of a work in progress will be very different to a finished product that we're proud to display. However, we won't get to the finished place without honoring the steps along the journey that bring us where we need to go. We can be satisfied with what we've done while recognizing that there is still work to do. Then for question five, what energy will arbitrate their viewpoints? I pulled the five of cups. Traditionally depicted as a card of loss, the fives in the tarot represent a contraction of some type. But it is more than this, or rather... It is greater than our society's thin ideas of grief and loss. While it's true that a loss is sometimes a subtraction of something from our lives, 
it is, I think, more often true that we feel a sense of loss even as events take place in our lives and we're not permissioned by society to honor them. Even something as joyous as parenthood, there is transformation and necessary loss. Prioritizing the well-being of a dependent human changes our perspective, and while we may not become a completely different person and give up everything we enjoy, our relationship to those things will change. Perhaps we'll need to give up things in the short term, but realize that we have to plan to be spontaneous now. And this is not about romanticizing grief either. It's about recognizing that as we grow and change, we will necessarily leave things behind. If we get promoted and our role changes, or if we switch to careers entirely, while these may be positive and self-initiated changes, there is still loss of the self, familiar and comfortable with our previous role. This is a loss that society doesn't acknowledge or allow us to feel. We should be happy with the new change, is what we're told. It's a positive thing. Be happy. While this may be true, not being given the space to let go appropriately is harmful in the long term. Grief is cumulative, and we can crack under the unreleased pressure. In this context, as an arbitrator, the Five of Cups reminds us that in amongst introspection and growth, we must leave room for the necessary shedding that comes along with that growth and remember to pause and honor it along the way. All of this has been showing up for me in various personal ways, for example, with streaming, both playing video games and sharing that with anyone who shows up. But I have that voice in the back of my head saying, you're not a real streamer, why are you doing this? There's so many more entertaining and more qualified people out there than you. You're just taking up space that other better entertainers could use. This is a voice I've dealt with for most of my life, and for a long time I gave into it and kept myself small. But I've been slowly changing that lately, slowly diminishing that voice as I begin to understand how to separate that voice from myself, as I recognize the trauma that caused that thinking and try to work with it. I know that it's a long process and I'll get things wrong along the way, but taking the journey at all is the most important part. Yeah, so from all of that, that is what's coming up for me under, as we kind of approach this this uh, full moon that's coming up at the end of the week. Um, I'm not sure I have much else to say, so as ever for the people that are listening to this as a podcast, we do stream on Twitch, just stream gameplay at the weekends, and then every other week we do the podcast. So not this coming Sunday, but the one after we'll be recording for the new moon. And then as I mentioned earlier on in December, um, the episodes will get so far out of sync that um, I'll basically record a bonus episode because otherwise we'd be recording for one weekend when the next moon phase wasn't until the entire, like a week and a day after that. So i have to figure out some kind of bonus episode to sync things back up, but we'll see that as we go. Um, so there'll be some notes in the um, description of the show if you want to follow any links to the Discord or come see me on Twitch. And if not, see you in the next one or hear me in the next one. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.